0: Welcome to Energy in Action. I'm your host, Marcy Young, and as a Mito patient myself, I appreciate you and the community you've helped us to build. This podcast honors the triumphs and struggles of patients and families affected by this disease and celebrates the work being done by doctors and researchers every day to make it a safer world for our people. We are a support group and a podcast focusing on all things related to mitochondrial disease. Hello everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Energy in Action. We are really lucky today to have such a dynamic person on the show with us today. Welcome Beth Fulcher, who is a parent of a son who she can tell you all about him. And I'm not going to give away any details. And she is also a teacher and she is going to help us kick off the school year for our parents of children with mitochondrial conditions so that we can be best informed and the best advocates for our kids possible. So Beth Fulcher, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's get right to it. Tell us why we're talking to you. You are a mom of a son, and he seems like a wonderful kid. Tell us his story, your story together.
1: So my son was born in 2005, and he was flagged on the newborn screen for having LCHAD, which stands for Long Chain Fatty Acid Oxidation Deficiency. And we knew this right from the get-go with him. And me being a teacher and having experience with students who have complex medical conditions, I knew that this was something that was going to impact his learning throughout his life. He just turned 18 over the weekend.
0: Congrats!
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: How does that feel? I don't, I don't know that world yet, but it sounds a little crazy.
1: It's very surreal because now I'm getting all of these phone calls and reminder like oh you've been dropped from the portal oh you can no longer speak unless he asks you to so in the medical world that's a little bit different than the educational world because the educational world doesn't care that he's 18 if he's still in a to k-12 perspective so he's entering his senior year at a public high school and we actually have our yearly 504 meeting scheduled for tomorrow So that's kind of where we are with him.
0: Great, great. So thank you for sharing that with us. And has he always been able to be in a mainstream classroom? And what has the landscape looked like in terms of advocating for him on an annual basis? The initial 504 meeting, have there been instances beyond that?
1: So Luke has always been in a mainstream class, along with all of the other testing that goes in when you have a kiddo with complex medical conditions. There's also, you know, some educational testing and to see if they have any learning deficiencies. And Luke does not. His is purely medical. So we went in to his kindergarten year with documentation from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia saying that he will need some special accommodations just throughout the day to keep him healthy and safe. So we started the process. And once you are approved for the process, it just gets renewed year by year.
0: So you have an initial meeting at the beginning of every school year for your son?
1: We do. Yes. And different different districts may do it at different times throughout the year. But because we knew this going in, it's not like it's a new diagnosis, right? You know, some kids get diagnosed in January or December with a disorder. But because we knew about this going into school and and me knowing the system, I was very prepared. Over the summer, I contacted the school, had all of my documentation, and went in for a meeting with, with that school.
0: Gotcha. Have you been pleased with the process throughout the school year, that they've been able to accommodate your son without much further conversation with you?
1: Yes, his school has been excellent. And I know that that's not the case with all schools. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But his school has always been excellent. The only time we had an issue was in elementary school. I think he was in fourth or fifth grade and he had a substitute gym teacher so pe and pe is probably the place where you really want and need some modifications and the substitute was not made aware or didn't read his uh 504 plan had him doing some running without his gatorade Um, wouldn't allow him break. And we spent the next day in the ER just because he had leg pain. So of course, I let the school know that this, he was fine. You know, luckily he did not go into rhabdomyolysis, which is a very, very severe breakdown of the muscle fibers and can cause toxicity in the body. He did not have that at this point, but I wanted to let the teachers and, and the school principal know that this absolutely has to be followed. And it never happened after that.
0: Well, great. I'm glad to hear that much.
1: Yeah, so he's been in the same school system. This will be his 13th year. And they've been wonderful. The nurses have been wonderful. They reach out to me if there's going to be a field trip, um, ask me if I want a nurse to accompany. Uh, because that's also something that you can ask for, which again, I know we're going to get to a little bit later.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I'm not, I wasn't familiar with that. So there are a lot of accommodations that can be made, But, but again, barring that every school district in the country around the world is very different, but I'm glad that you have had a positive experience, but I want to be able to share some insights and nuggets of wisdom from you so that our parents in the Mito community can really be the best advocates for their kids as possible. So you are a teacher. Tell me what what you teach. Do you love your job? Is it stress? Tell me about it. And then we'll get into how we can help our community.
1: So this is my 20, I'm, be, I'm entering tomorrow, my 27th year teaching. Oh
0: my gosh, that's awesome.
1: I hope I love it. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I love being with the kids. I, it's just, it's very energetic. I feel like it keeps me young. I'm sure it does. Um, yeah, I know all the lingo, you know, and sometimes I even surprise my son when I say something and he's like, what, you know about that? <laughs> And I'm like, of course, and, and vice versa. I surprise my kids at school sometimes. I'll I'll say something like a catchphrase or a buzzword that I know from other, you know, older kids, and they'll be like, "You know that?" And I'm be like, "Yeah, <laughs> duh." And so it gives me a little street cred with my kids at school.
0: So you've been in the dis in the same district your entire tenure of teaching.
1: My entire tenure
0: statement. That's awesome.
1: Thank you. You know, when you're a teacher, you also have to do various trainings and things like that. And I have obviously my my bachelor's degree, but then I also have my master's degree in administration. So it's like educational leadership. I've never put it to use. I've never wanted to become a principal because I really do love what goes on in the classroom at the, at the ground level with the kids. However, through this journey, I'm, I'm also, I do the co-taught class. So there's two teachers in my classroom. There's me who's the regular ed social studies teacher. And then there is a special ed teacher who also helps out. And we just kind of play off of each other. I work with all the kids, she works with all the kids so that none of the kids are identified as being special, it's not like I say, "Well, you have to be with her," and you know you're regular ed, so you come to me. We don't, we don't do that. We just, we all blend it. We all just kind of help each other. And like, if I'm busy, I'll say go to Miss Seltzer, and if Miss Seltzer's busy, she'll say go. So there's no designation as who goes to which teacher. So in, you know, in essence, I have to be. I'm not certified, but I am somewhat a special ed teacher in that way
0: you have to know enough.
1: I have to know enough. I have to know about the law. I have to know about modifications and what is appropriate for each child.
0: And what age level do you teach?
1: I teach 11th grade.
0: Okay. So you've learned a lot about the academic landscape, much more so than probably many of our parents out there, that You know, they may have a kid who needs some help in terms of uh, IEP, 504 plan, but they don't have the background that you have. So you've been very fortunate and I'm sure it's to, to your son's benefit, but- You know, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, let's kind of walk through step by step some of the things that our parents really should be thinking about as the school year kicks off.
1: Sure. So when you have a a kid with a complex medical condition or any diagnoses, really, it can be anything from a food allergy to something as difficult as cancer. You have your medical documentation in place and you would call the school. And I always go with the frontline uh, office ladies or or men, usually in our case it's always ladies, and you know, very politely ask, you know, who is the correct person to contact for setting up a 504 plan. And depending on a school, some schools have a very specific 504 coordinator. Some places handle it through the guidance department, some places hand it through the nursing department. So it really just depends on how your district works it out. So you just kind of initially have to muddle through and find the names. And then once you find those names, you set up a meeting and request you know, a meeting to get a 504 plan set up.
0: Okay, so can you just tell our parents a little bit about the difference between an IEP versus a 504 plan?
1: Sure, the IEP stands for an Individualized Education Plan. So this will deal with specialized instruction so that a student with a learning disability can make progress within a classroom. The 504 is a section of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, and that deals with a child who has a physical or mental impairment that may need to have some support or some barriers lifted. And those things would be, you know, maybe increase snack time, um, increase passing time within classrooms if it's a mobility issue. So the IEP really deals more with things like testing, textbooks, things like that, where the 504, you know, things with uh, a learning disability, a diagnosed learning disability, whereas the 504 is is completely medical. But both, I think it's important to note, both are just as important and both are legally binding for a school district. They absolutely positively must follow both. Now, if, if your student has an IEP, the IEP is written first and the 504 plan is embedded within that IEP. If your student is like mine who does not need an IEP because he has no learning disabilities, then he would just get a 504 plan.
0: I see, that's why you mentioned only meaning about the 504 plan, that makes sense. Correct. But I'm sure there are a lot of students out there that do need both plans in place.
1: Absolutely, most of my students in the special ed program, if they have an IEP, there's usually some other issue as well. Okay. You know.
0: Thanks for breaking that down for us. Cuz I'm sure that there are many of our parents in our mito community out there that maybe their kids haven't started school, their their schooling life yet and might want some more information about the true nuances of those two plans. But I do hear a a lot of talk about, about both. So you need to find the right people. And then how much maintenance is there throughout the school year? What do you recommend parents do? Should they be in touch with their teachers more often than the average or?
1: It's tough to say because I think it depends on your experience. We have a once a year renewal. And then what I do is I just shoot out a quick email at the beginning of the year, introduce myself, introduce Luke. And just say, "Hey, he has a 504. Please read it. Just some basic, th- and it's very pared down. But it's just that extra little. Hey, he needs a little, a little something to keep him healthy and well. Uh-huh. And then, honestly, I don't need to do too much throughout the year anymore because of his age. When it was elementary school, we needed to do a little more because of snacks and birthday celebrations and." Mm-hmm. You know cafeteria issues field trips things like that those things needed to be handled more often and and the teacher would contact me so and so has a birthday coming up can we have this for a snack for luke or you know we're doing a special manipulative math problem using jelly beans can luke have jelly beans so in the elementary schools it's a little bit more and it's a little bit more of a communicative back and forth effort between the teacher and the parent. Mm-hmm.
0: So it really sounds like if you do have a child at that elementary level to really be pushing your teacher to ask upon every circumstance, because you you would rather them ask than have an issue on the back end, you know, like your son did in gym class. You would rather the substitute read through it, have a question and then pose that question to you than what did happen, which created so much harm, you know?
1: Absolutely, I always say, you know, you're never gonna offend me. It's never a stupid question. Ask, 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 ask. Luke will be happy to, you know, now he's older, he can advocate for himself. But in the beginning years, you know, I would always be on email because I have to be for school anyway. And I'd be like, shoot me an email. I gave them my text number in case there was a true emergency. Text me. So
0: you want to create that rapport with the teachers really early on in the school year.
1: I think that that's the most important thing with this process is open communication, respectful open communication. Because there are some parents who just, they, they come to the meetings, you know, with full barrels loaded and it, it puts the school on the defensive uh-huh. and you don't want to start off that way. No. You always just want to have that whole idea of respectful, open communication and partnership. You know, we're all on the same team here. This is, in my case, this is team Luke, you know, so it's not an us versus you. I'm not looking to get you. I'm not looking for money. I am looking for support for my child to make sure he is healthy and happy.
0: You want to, together, you want to create the best learning environment for him. Yes. From a parent perspective, in a very gently said way, to recognize that. I might be a parent of a child with a mitochondrial condition, but I am not necessarily a teacher or a school administrator. And I don't know the best paths to take, but what I do know is what my kid can and can't do. And I can help communicate that to you. Correct. Okay. So everybody kind of has their own lane, but we're all on this freeway together.
1: Right. And it's team insert child. Sure.
0: (laughs) Sure. Well, I think that that's, very helpful information for our community. I'm really glad that we were able to kind of talk that part out. So parents at the beginning of the year, whatever you can to create the best rapport, the best open lines of communication with your children's teacher will be really paramount for their school year. It's important to help the school be prepared for a child who has a medical condition or a complex learning condition or or both. But how do you thinking back to, you know, when Luke was younger or possibly some advice that you would have wanted to give to your students' parents, how best can you prepare a child who may need an accommodation prior to the school year beginning? I mean, I know it's a challenge for my kids who are 100% mainstream
1: It's one of those things that you don't want to scare the child, but you have to also prepare the child. Hey, ask a question. You know, don't be shy. If you are feeling sick, ask to go to the nurse. You know, so just ask starting very basic and small and age appropriate is important. Maybe even having that student have like a little sticker on their ID card or something that says, hey, I have a 504, or ask me about my 504.
0: I love that idea.
1: Yeah, we've had, you know, or kids kids and I will come up sometimes with signals where a kid, if he or she is starting to feel like a migraine coming on or a seizure, that student has a signal that they give to me. So, I mean, you know your children best and what they're capable of at different age levels. So for us, it was making sure that Luke knew he could ask questions and ask for help. Mm -hmm.
0: To truly teach them to advocate for themselves, which is a skill that really any child needs to have, but especially important in these scenarios.
1: Right. On the flip side, as a teacher, I don't know you're experiencing rhabdo if you don't tell me your legs hurt. So I can't help you. I can't, you know, offer you to drink. to to drink more. I can't offer to take you to the nurse. I can't offer all of those things that are in that 504 unless I know that they're happening.
0: I think the idea of a signal is so perfect because it creates that comfortability for the student, not bothering the lesson, not letting all the other students know that there's an issue with them with themselves, you know, but just something subtle to get their teacher's attention so that they are able to stay safe.
1: Yeah, like, um, I'm just thinking in in top of my head, like a red card or a green card. Green card is a normal question. Hey, I have a question about this lesson or a, a silly comment. Red card is, hey, something's wrong. And if you don't want your child to stand out, you could even possibly, if the teacher is amenable to it, say, everybody gets one of these cards. Green card is for lesson questions, Uh topic questions. Red card is hygiene, health, not feeling well. I mean, kids get sick. Kids get sick in class. We know that. Every kid, kid, you know, gets sent to the nurse at some point. Sometimes it's not till after the kid throws up or, (laughs) you know, has a seizure and that does happen in class. So, I think that red card, green card idea, which I just came up with out of my head.
0: (laughs) Aren't you glad we're doing this podcast? Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, my 11th graders would look at me like, are you freaking kidding me?
0: (laughs) But maybe at the younger level, that is, again, like what we were talking about before, about blending all kids in together so that no kid feels like they have to stand apart.
1: Right. Or smiley face, frowny face, you know, so that that child is not identified as, you know, the sick one.
0: Of course, they never want to feel that way.
1: No, my child, as a matter of fact, ignored, like I would say to teachers, if you want to talk to him about it, talk about it privately, because he always wants to be seen as the same as his peers. He doesn't ever want to be different. Some kids are great with that. Um, But again, you have to know your child and where they are with that. So I would always say just take the child discreetly aside, you know, and talk to them.
0: And that's what's important, too, about the beginning of the school year, because most likely the teacher really doesn't know the child yet. So it really is on the parent to kind of, again, using that word, advocating for their child and kind of teaching the the teacher about what their child needs and how their child likes to communicate about their condition, their accommodations. Correct. But- kind of pushing the ideas of what makes them comfortable and not necessarily forcing the conversation, but creating the conversation at a very early time so that your kid is set up for the best school year possible. So how have relationships been for your son throughout his schooling? Had there, had there been any complexities and friendships because of his health condition? How have you helped him resolve some of those?
1: In the beginning, it was really difficult because he really felt like he was isolated, like he was the only kid who couldn't do this and couldn't do that with snack time, you know, especially that was probably the most, you know, because kids bring in birthday treats. So that was probably the biggest one until he met a friend. And I think it was either kindergarten or first grade, who was a diabetic. And just being able to identify like that, like, hey. I can't eat that either. That was, that was really helpful for him.
0: Sure. The camaraderie have felt
1: yeah, important, valuable. Very much. And sadly, those two aren't friends anymore, you know, because life takes them in different paths. And Luke is just a, a more shy, quiet kid. And so he has a very small group of friends, but absolutely, like every one of their parents has told me, my son will take a bullet for your kid. Like they're very protective of him, even though he, he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't make a big deal. He doesn't wanna be seen as different if they go to Burger King, cause you know, he's, he's driving with them. And if they go to Burger King, he'll just say, well, I'll just have a soda cause I can't have French fries. And they, they don't even ask him anymore. Cause they know, you know, and one kid would, they would always go after school, they would go to the grocery store. And they would buy snacks, you know, after-school snacks. And I would stop with the Twizzlers. And his, I said, stop buying all these Twizzlers. I'm not giving you money for this anymore. And his friends were like, well, we bought them for him because we know that's one of the things he can eat. And I was like, oh, that's kind of sweet.
0: That is really sweet. Yeah. That's really a sign of a good friend.
1: Yeah, he's got some, uh, again, it's it's a small, close-knit group, but they're, Luke is Luke, you know, and they've always been really, really concerned and helpful and things like that, especially when he's been hospitalized. I mean, they get like really, they, they, they send him texts and, you know, cards and it, it's very sweet.
0: Wow. But I'm sure that He has enriched their lives so much, and his friends are better people because of him. I hope so. It sounds like it's really created a very sweet dynamic. Yeah. And kids can be tough. I'm raising two of my own, and it's, I mean, kids present challenges in all different facets. And to have a child that really will look out for their friends is so very important.
1: Yes. That's one of the, I don't want to say it's a skill, a quality that I think. As a parent, I would be super proud of that as opposed to having, you know, 10 million friends or being number one in the class. Like I want an empathetic, compassionate person.
0: Yes. I want my kid to care about those around them.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: they they definitely do not need to be first in their class. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily get you to the finish line. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Any other bits of wisdom that that you think our community should hear about as we enter into a
1: new school year? I think grace is a really important thing.
0: Tell us what you mean by
1: that. Give the teachers a little grace, especially in the beginning. We are thrown into four or five days of meetings and class lists. And like this morning, I, I don't even work today, but one of the things I've been doing today is going through my each kid looking for that icon does this kid have a health condition whether it's asthma or a bee sting allergy or something really complex like i have one kid who has arthritis and will need extra passing time well now i'm on alert for that kid you know because i'm i'm gonna give him some extra time but just give us some grace until we understand all of our children we've gotten to know them we know their names we we can i you know, because we, we have to build relationship. And we can have up to if you're in the high school level, like I am, you might have 90 to 100 kids on your roster that you have to be looking out for each day. So I'm not perfect. I have missed something on a 504. Not intentionally, but just make me aware. Um Just like I made the school aware when they were a little bit negligent with my kid, like, hey, this is, This is important. Let's move forward from this. You know, don't get your lawyer out, number one, you know, (laughs) because I've heard that too.
0: Oh, gosh. But really recognizing that every need of every child can't be learned in one day. But the hope is that, you know, a parent can can acknowledge the fact that the teacher is working really hard on making that happen as soon as possible. Correct. Okay. Making that assumption that that's what the teacher is is working on first and foremost.
1: Yeah, we are all on team child. And I would also say for the child to be a part of it. You know, when, when Luke was in kindergarten, I brought him to the initial meeting. And I said, this is what he can do. This is what we have to kind of modify a little bit. But he will do this and he will do that. and." don't let him try and get away with certain things. Because
0: that's probably so helpful to have your son on the, it, it, he knows what's being talked about between his parents and his teachers. So do you think most districts would be receptive to having the child in that meeting? Or do you think that's unique?
1: I don't think it's unique because I have had meetings with the child and I've had meetings without the children. And I think it's a parent's prerogative to decide that, but I just know Working with kids all my life, and I know my own son, you know, kids are going to get away with whatever you let them get away with. But if they know that mom told the teacher this, oh, yeah, I will get all my homework done. It might take me a little extra time, but I am expected to do all assignments. There's no question. There's no him going to a teacher. Well, you know, I have a 504, I get extra time. And extra time doesn't mean unlimited time, it means I have a specific. Amount of time, so I think being specific, being deliberate, and involving your child in the process, even from an early age, is really important. So everybody's on the exact same page.
0: Such important advice. I thank you so much, Beth, for for taking time out of your last summer vacation day to to help our our mitochondrial family, community, because we are all in this together, just as you've been saying at the school level. But as a community too, we are all in this together. And you had insight and knowledge to share. And I so appreciate the fact that you took the time to do that.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate helping. Well,
0: great. Well, hopefully your son and all the other kiddos out there have a wonderful school year. Thank you, Beth. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I encourage you to browse other Energy and Action podcast episodes. I'm so inspired by the resilience of those in previous episodes, and I know you will be too.